What is that? It's a predator. Uh, is that did, was that your voice doing that? That was me. Yeah. Wow. You know, there's something from Predator that I can do that's really creepy. <clears throat> Sonny's laugh. Yeah. Yes. I do that uh, work sometimes, and I've never got more predators. disturbing looks. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about predators, obviously. Yes. Um, all of them. Uh, no. I, I know you know you're like no alien versus predator, but let's get to them, and it'll be really brisk. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, 1987's Predator started as a joke. Did you know this? No, I didn't. It's a joke. What it was was the, the two writers were sitting around and they're like, now that Rocky beat up whoever Rocky beat up, uh -huh. who does he beat up next? And they said, an alien. And then they proceeded to write a script called The Hunter. Uh, and that got into Joel Silver's hands and he had it reworked into The Predator. But it started as a joke. Who are the writers on this again? Are these the guys that did uh, those Ewok movies? The TV Ewok movies? I'm trying to remember. Oh my god. Why do you have to ask me things that I don't know? I don't know. I always thought <laughs> it was funny they both did space movies, but they're two wildly different ones. Doesn't matter. The writers are not Michael Finch. That's the latest. Uh, it's the Thomas Brothers, Jim okay, and yes. John. Yeah, they did uh, Battle for Endor. <laughs> <laughs> well... I, if, if their original script had the woods in it, you know that they like the woods. Yeah. So so they brought on um, – because uh, John, John McTiernan, the director of Predator, was was uh, kind of new to the thing. He did one movie before, Nomads, and I think that was it. Uh, they didn't quite trust him yet, and so they brought on Shane Black as an actor and a studio lookout. That also early, a script that, doctor. So early yeah. in his career. Also a wow. script doctor. Okay, that well, I he, get. He had done plenty of scripts before, but he's, I'm, I'm assuming he was on the writing on the fly on the set. Oh, you know, I think you meant he wrote for The Fly. <laughs> I think you meant the movie The Fly. <laughs> <laughs> I know, no, on the fly. Um, just, just punching up the script as they went along. And this movie did hit some snags. And you know what that is, right? The major uh, snack. I miss what you said, what? The movie hit some snacks. Oh, yes, there's one major snack that hit. The giant cockroach monster. <laughs> well, I've heard the description. I know what it looks like, but I've heard the description call it like a, a bug, an insectoid thing that is very gamely and uh, cumbersome. And I've heard it say that it has a dog's head. Um, but then I've seen the thing, and in fact, I've... I've used it on another podcast. Uh, I did a, a segment, a skit um, for Splat House podcast. You guys can listen to it. The joke was Rando Macho Man, Macho Man Savage was in a movie um, opposite Suburban Commando. And his movie was called Cul-de-Sac Commando. <laughs> and because it's ma yeah, Macho Man is uh, always confused with his dialogue. He talks about this, his movie having 36 Predators. Now, I went ahead and I made a t-shirt design using the original Predator, the original, original Predator, the one that I just wrongly described as having a dog's head. That one is the alien in, in uh, Cul-de-Sac Commando. Uh, and it's a pretty funny skit, too. The, uh, um, this is the era when we started, like, wrestling was going supernova. 
I mean, the whole macho, huge guy thing was becoming a, you know, a big trend in action films of the time. And this movie just seemed to be like, who's going to outdo each other with who's the biggest? <laughs> All right, so you got Jesse the Body Ventura. He's the wrestler in this, which is like how the joke gets tied into Suburban Commando, because that's Hulk Hogan, uh, and Cul-de-Sac Commando. Uh, but that's just a dumb joke anyway. Uh, I suggest you guys go listen to it regardless, because it's pretty fun. Um, my shirt features Adrian Barbeau as the mom character. Makes sense. Hal Holbrook as the dad character. Uh, they were in The Fog together. And as the son, David Faustina. Yeah, I can <laughs> so see this This is something that would, like Epic would have put out right before they went under. You know, some, or Empire, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty dumb. And it says... The tagline is, 36 predators can't keep this family from enjoying the last day of summer or else. <laughs> it's really stupid. So, but, uh, but I threw that shirt together really quickly. And, and it looks like it, but it looks like an old advertisement in a newspaper. Yeah, That's with that or uh, the TV Guide. You know, those really crappy Fox yeah. ads they would put together. Yeah, so, so yeah, um, Predators had... I also did a, did a Pred Pops shirt, like a serial shirt right before all that stuff took off and there's serial shirts up the wazoo now mine was uh i did aliens predipops and prometheums oh right 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 and yeah yeah so that's that's about the extent of my artwork predator artwork you know so um but but it's pretty influential and yeah van damme was the suit performer in that original suit is he short or am I wrong? Because I feel like he's, uh, like, you know, a 5'6", five, 5'8", five, or it's just because they're always putting him with guys that are so much bigger than him. I think he's just an average, so, I don't know, 5'10", maybe? Okay. Uh, but he had these leg extensions, and he learned how to use them and everything. But the, the scenes in the film, there are some uh, scenes that were shot with him as the creature and uh, the predator, Carl Weathers' arm gets shot off. That scene, a lot of that footage was Van Damme scene. Okay. Uh, but they had to, you know, because he's invisible throughout that entire scene, they were able to do some, you know, Hollywood special effects trickery to make it work. Do you think it was his uh, ego think, that was keeping him? Oh, uh, yeah. No, no, no. It's a couple of things. One, like, they wanted a martial artist to be agile and jump around and be quick on his feet in this thing. However, this thing is not, like, you can't do that. Two, he's trying to come up in Hollywood, and previously, uh, I don't know his filmography exactly, but I know that he had a really small part in one of the break-in movies. Like, that's where he was. Yeah, well, No Retreat, No Surrender, I think, was the year before Predator. And I'm not sure if it was out by the time. Start so 84, up. he was a background uh, guy in Breakin. 80, 85, 87? No, 85, 86, he was no retreat, no surrender, right? Correct. And then Predator gets this job, which is like, good money. Here, have this good money, but your face isn't seen. And what he really needed to be is seen. So he sabotaged, from what I understand... He, he sabotaged his suit performance, not just exaggerating. This doesn't work because a lot of it didn't. But like, oh, you know, like, does this happen to you? 
like when you can't open a lid and chips fly all over the place. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is how I'm imagining. He's like, this suit doesn't work. <laughs> oh no! Falling over on purpose and crap. There is a photo of him and Carl Weathers. It's just a still shot of him wearing just the Predator arm, sitting next to Carl Weathers, who has no arm, and Carl Weathers is kind of glancing over at at Van Dam, and Van Dam looks miserable. Yeah, I've seen that photo now. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a pretty funny thing. So uh, Stan Winston was called in, and on the plane, here's the legend. This is a, this is one of those Brian De Palma type legends where you know Brian De Palma invented cinema, all of it. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen his documentary. He just says, you know, oh, I did that first, or that was my idea, you know, <laughs> all the time in that oh. documentary where it's just Brian De Palma talking about himself. Right, not in, uh, not in, uh, Hitchcock in any way. No. Right, no, no, no. Hitchcock, Hitchcock laid the seeds there, but I made it a thing. <laughs> uh, right. So this is the the De Palma style legend here, on the plane from wherever to Mexico in order to make the suit better, whatever. Stan Winston is sitting next to none other than James Cameron, and James Cameron leans over and says, "You know what? I'd like to see in an alien mandibles." <laughs> And thus, the Predator was instantly created on the page without a, a single pencil stroke from Stan Winston. It's all projected there onto the page. Sure. James Cameron's mind. <laughs> right, right. Okay, that last part is my embellishment, but that's how it sounds when you read it. I'm like, yeah. what? Really? Don't mention James Cameron. He's got too much of his, his own ego invested in everything. <gasps> get away from this one. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's funny is about, uh, you mentioned John McTiernan earlier had only directed one film, and that's kind of what I've noticed out of Joel Silver's movies, is he he grabs a lot of untested directors, and quite a few of them come from horror, and they've only done one or two movies. Like, he grabbed Mark Lester from uh, uh, Firestarter in Class of 1982. Um, you know I'm trying to remember. Uh, Rennie Harlan, he grabbed for Die Hard 2 and Ford Fairlane. Stephen Hopkins from The Second Predator, he took over to... Oh, no, 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 he didn't use him. Uh, Stephen Hopkins did Nightmare 5 and then went over to Predator 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what he does is, is the Disney method. Huh? So the Disney method now is get a director who's not really well-known as a work, will work for you. Um is enough of an artist or at least a technical artist to know how to make the thing look like it, it comes from the same studio but let's let's not get a tried and true director necessarily i mean they started doing it that way and then they, they have two different theories of the disney method you know uh because you have edgar wright was going to start it then you have uh, Taika Waititi, who's got a bunch of movies under his belt, but never a big effects movie, and he makes probably the most entertaining one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it's very interesting. It's a similar theory as to what Joel Silver did. The The Predator, I feel like, wasn't a very expensive film, and it's kind of surprising. I didn't know much about movies at the time and how it works, so I was just like, oh my god, these amazing special effects, this thing must have cost a fortune. $20 million is nothing to sneeze at, but I thought it cost a whole lot more. And then as a grown-up, you start thinking, well, it was shot in Mexico, Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers are really the only names in this. 
oh yeah, it totally makes sense. They can make it for cheap. That's how I think the Predator franchise has continued is because they found ways to cut corners, but not have it show up on the camera. You know, like for the you know it doesn't cheapen it for the audience, but they found ways to keep right. this tight enough budget they can keep the series going. Well, also that first movie, The Predator, is just an invisible guy, and it's I'm sure it's complicated special effects even at the time, but it's still an invisible guy. So you only need a few glimpses of the special effect for most of the movie right. until you get to the suit. And that suit, uh, what's what's the actor's name? Kevin Peter Hall. Michael Kevin Peter Hall. That guy has a tragic story because he is seven foot two, awesome physique. He's like fully proportional, dude. He's not uh, he's not got acromegaly or something like this. Uh, he's just a really big guy, and he's really fit, and he played Harry in the Hendersons. He played Harry, and he also was pulled in to play the Predator. He got in a car a motorcycle accident, had a blood transfusion. Oh, dear God. Is that how he got it? Yes. Oh. And that sucks. That sucks. So now after, because he would have had like a career as the Predator. You know it. Yeah, well, other things, too. He was but an he, actor prior to that. He was in Misfits of Science, and he's actually pretty good in it. Yeah, he's also um, the helicopter pilot at the end of oh, the, yeah, Predator, yeah, yeah. the first Predator movie, uh, where he's like, what the, you know? Um, so that's his, he gets a, his SAG credit there. I don't know if that's the first time he got SAG or not. No, 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 Misfits of Science was uh, two oh, years okay. prior. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's a TV show, Misfits of Science, with Courtney Cox. I remember. <laughs> um, I did watch a little bit of TV. Uh, I usually watch movies on TV. Yeah. Uh, but is that, but is that, had that's how I experienced career. Predator the first time, is on television. I had no idea it was so insanely gory until I saw it on video like two years later. I had seen it on Fox. <laughs> And I think it was it was quite <laughs> that a bit. Was everything was cut. Yeah. yeah, it was quite a bit before the second movie came out, so it wasn't to promote that. I want to feel like it was one of those things where Fox was still a fledging network, and they're trying to get something hot, and it's like, can we just take this and throw it on television pretty early? And like, okay, so it's like a year and a half later or something, which back then was jaw dropping if you got a movie on TV that fast. Well, in the further movies, the predators are always a bit bulkier, it seems, except for in. The final one, uh, Rodriguez produced one. There are a couple of more sinewy or, or long kinds, but so many predators in in the predator movies where there are multiple predators, they're so much more bulky than Hall was. And I, I prefer Hall. I think he's a really cool dude. Yeah. Um, the one thing it's, I don't like about this movie now is I didn't realize how homophobic. It was. No, time. look. Well, Jesse Ventura's character. I'm not even. I mean, I'm not even gonna go back and edit stuff like that. It, yeah. It was the characters. They're, they're not. They're character cannon fodder for one. This movie looks like a military movie. Plays a little bit like a military movie. Literally turns into a horror movie slasher. Yeah, it's funny. It and starts off as finally, if it's Commando too, you know. <laughs> yeah. Finally, at the very end of it, it turns into. Uh, a science fiction classic man against monster thing. Right, more like a survivalist. But, yeah, yeah, survivalist. That's actually what I was looking for. Thank you. But in the the big chunk in the middle, it's a slasher movie. And the only thing that 
is different is that the slasher now has like a little pulse cannon on his shoulder. Yeah. Well, I kind of like the fact that uh, they start off with this huge action, se- action sequence and you think that, oh, is this like a Rambo-style movie? And it's to show you how unstoppable these guys are. They're huge, badass uh, machines, basically killing machines. And then it flips it on you, and now these huge guys you don't think are going to be stopped by anything possible, one creature just wipes them out. And it's really no challenge to take out most of them. Right. However, there's... uh, Yes, yes, that's true. That's how it was written. Yes, but also John McTiernan didn't want it to be a Guns A-Blazin' movie. He didn't. He was like, that's just too stupid. This, I don't, I'm not, guns are dangerous and you're just here fetishizing guns, Joel Silver. And he's like, do it. So he got subversive with this writing. This is maybe Shane Black doing this. Uh, when, when Jesse gets killed, the homophobic character, when he gets killed, his chest gets blown open. He think, you think that he's going to go after the thing and, and do some damage. And then his chest gets blown open without him pulling a trigger. Bill Duke comes over, the big black guy. Not the little black guy. Carl Weathers is a little black guy. Big black guy. <laughs> comparatively. He comes over. I guess. Yeah, comparatively. <laughs> I mean, they're both, like, really, like, fit and strong dudes. I mean, they had to get titans, you know? But height-wise, I'm talking about. Um, Bill Duke comes over, grabs the minigun, and just starts mowing down the trees. And everybody comes over and starts mowing down the trees some more with their guns. This is an extended scene of wasting ammo. This is a commentary saying how useless guns are very often when you need strategy. This is not a pro-gun scene. I, I think this is like the golden era of the subversive sci-fi film. I feel like that a lot of that's been dropped now. But for like the late 80s, early 90s, they did a really good job of kind of poking fun at the cliches of sci-fi and also like trying to subvert social commentary into a lot of it. Yeah. So... Um, everybody's seen it, right? Like Predator. <laughs> By now, I hope so. It's been 31 years. By now, right? Uh, but you got a lot of people who maybe haven't. So dig it up, look at it. We're not going to tell you the ending, but there is a scene that says get to the chopper. You've all heard that. Um, it's very quotable. Anytime. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah, it, the movie's good, and the alien uh, predator himself uh, looks rather interesting. Um, <laughs> I do have to say, I mute it a little bit when it, uh, uh, Shane Black has his, uh, you know, jokes about a certain. Yeah, they're they're all <laughs> dirty jokes. Yeah, um, they're all dirty jokes. But like, yes, it definitely. If you are a kid being raised now, and you are in this uh, cultural climate that we have, where everything is problematic you're gonna find absolute problems with this just understand that all those people die so you can look at it kind of like a slasher morality tale. right totally you say something dirty you say something bad you say something horrible you're gonna get killed you know it, it's strange how how the cultural climate is still very puritanical in a way yeah you um, know what's a shame is that this movie <laughs> did nothing for anybody except Arnold Schwarzenegger because I think the cast is actually pretty good. Uh, John McTiernan was smart enough to step back a little bit from the action and focus on a lot of the characters' eccentricities because I think Bill Duke is a yeah. really well done character. I like I don't know his name. I feel terrible for not knowing it, but Chavez, I like his character. That didn't do anything for him. He ended up on like War of the Worlds the next year, a cheap syndicated show. 
Um, yeah. A lot of it's the cast. That's the thing that makes a lot of the Predator movies great, is that they focus heavily on the cast. Not so much in the second one. It's got a good cast, but I don't think they give the characters a lot to do. Um, but the third and, one, definitely. Well, there's there's an odd bit of casting here. Sonny Landon was a stuntman. He plays Billy, the tracker. Mm-hmm. Uh, another problematic, quote-unquote, problematic character because he's Native American. So obviously he's a tracker. It's like making a... The Chinese guy, no kung fu, but yeah. you know what? It works. It actually does work, and it's not disrespectful how they treat it in the the film. There's no slurs about him. But a bit of background: he wasn't always a stuntman. He was also a pornography actor. Really? In the '70s, yes, sir. Huh? And later in his career, he also when uh, Jesse went on to try to do the campaign Jesse the body tried to do the campaign or succeeded in becoming governor um Sonny Landon also tried to do the same for I think Kentucky or something and failed you know failed to get the Republican ticket (laughs) but but really you're running and you have those not skeletons because it's out there they're not skeletons in your closet yeah they're out there can i tell you something they're in your living room he, something about him and you're running for yeah it makes me nervous like i feel like there's a lot more even hidden away like he seems the kind of guy you do not mess with in any way whatsoever uh, right he did seem that way in in the later years when you're looking at his interviews and stuff he's yeah he's an imposing dude but as Billy, I really like the character. Yeah. But also, it's, I'm like, Billy, did you really have to stand on the log and do that? Oh, the noble warrior, yeah. Like, did you have to? <sighs> really? Because then that would have been like two Schwarzeneggers versus him. Yeah. I, I really <laughs> like the first one. Um, the second one, I think, is kind of a letdown. I know some people are huge fans of the second one. But I feel like the second one's really loud. You know what I mean? Like, there's constant chaos going on in the movie, whereas the first movie really had control over the moments that were loud and a lot of moments that were very controlled and and patient and um, almost introverted. Well, the second one suffers from the weird future. It's 1990 when it came out, and it predicted that 1997 was going to be block wars like Judge Dredd style (laughs) without the future tech between Jamaican gangs and Colombian gangs in Los Angeles. Yeah. At least there's a seven-year gap fun. with that, because Demolition Man decides yeah. that three years later it's going to be that way. Like, three years. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, like, soft and nice. Uh, there's not a lot of block wars going on in that. But it's just oddly, these odd predictions. And um, it's super violent. It's guns ablazing constantly. But this is also not like gun fetishizing. This is all just, these are tools that people use to kill. When the Colombians go into their hideout to get their guns, I was like, holy crap, are they an army? (laughs) Well, yes, they're a cartel. Yes, they're an army. (laughs) But they have such an armory of weapons, it's nonsense. But they don't get to use them because the predator does his thing. Um, There's... A bunch of different types of predators. Did you did you know this? How how versed are you on the predator verse? I am not. Do you mean like like class types? Yeah. Well, here you have the urban predator, and in the previous you had the jungle predator. 
Right, but what decked out in the appropriate style? Yes, there are class types. Okay, okay. So and, is it decided as part of their tribe, or is this like uh, what they choose as their? So the whole thing, I think, with the kind of, I, I can't remember if they explain it all, but it, this is supposed to be like a rite of passage, right? So as a these, predator gets the older, they have to go on a hunt. What's the that? first two don't even get to the rite of okay. passage at all. The first films, but the uh, the Alien versus Predator movie that does, but. In towards the end of Predator 2, Danny Glover, our hero, is the intrepid detective slash super badass who is constantly uh, a thorn in the side of the Predator. Um, and by the way, he's got a really cool team, sort of really cool. He's got Ruben Blades, or Ruben Blades, and Maria Conchita Alonso. Uh, who are staples, at least back then, in these types of movies. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you have Bill Paxton playing Bill Paxton, being obnoxious. That's what he did before, uh, what? Twister. Twister. Yeah. Twister, they were like, calm down, and he's like, all right. And then he became a star. But before that, he was always this obnoxious guy, and he does that also perfectly in here, I think. I think it's rather similar to... How he played it in um, initially in uh, True Lies, right, right, very same kind of delivery. So, uh, but this one is just like Predator in urban. That's that's the setting. I, the I think it was setting. smart to take it to a new environment, so it doesn't seem like a complete clone to the first one. I know it had to be more expensive in order to shoot in Los Angeles. Um, so that couldn't have helped. I, I remember it opened really big, but then it just collapsed because critics didn't care for it. Audiences were kind of meh. I think it's grown uh, as more of a cult movie uh, than it was when it first came out. But I still think there's something, besides the chaos, I feel like there's something missing. I think it's the fact that there's no longer a mystery. The first and third one right. have a mystery of sorts. The second one yeah. kind of ditches yeah. it. Yes, the second one, it does have a mystery, but we're already in on it. You know? Right. It's because of the Predator, we're already in on it. Um, but, uh, and the characters, uh, though they're doing detective work, Ruben Blade is the one that finds the prong, and he gets taken out immediately afterwards. But Yeah, there's new weaponry um, in this one. Is that part of the class thing? Is that they have different weapons? Uh, well, people are people, right? You and me are different people, and we have different skills. Uh-huh. And I, I, know, I know how to use a bow staff. <laughs> I don't know if you do. I you use might know uh, the to... booger flicker. The booger flicker is your skill, right? <laughs> so that's your 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 uh, northern um, America, northwest American predator version is you flicking boogers on people. Me down here, I'd have a staff, <laughs> and I'd whack them with my stick, you know. So it's it's like that. Uh, different tools. The, this is the one that has the spear. Which disappeared after they shot move, shot the film. Oh, Somebody that's stole it. So um, this one also has a por porno actor in it, Terry Weigel. She's the girl that's with the Colombian. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's sad that I know these things. Coming yeah. I have um, a. Some people have so, a photographic memory. I have a pornographic memory. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> um, so so uh, the end of the film after uh, Danny Glover um, does his thing against the Predator, there's two things that, that happen. One, I'm going to mention right now, and we'll get to it later. They show a trophy room, and they have an alien skull in there. 
from aliens. A xenomorph. Right. Don't they also but have like a where... bantha from Star Wars in there or something like that? Uh, that might be it, actually. That might be it. But I don't know. Those skulls are really weird and I could never tell what they were except for the human skulls and the uh, xenomorph skull. Before this movie was made, there was the Predator comic book by um, Dark Horse which led into this movie not story-wise but success-wise is it gonna is there an audience for a sequel maybe yes there is so they made the second one but the second one comes off kind of cynical it also has robert downey excuse me also has morton downey jr in it it's so obnoxious my it, god i can't believe that's the other thing he plays, seems obnoxious um you know yeah, Gary well, he, is. And, he played uh, himself basically yeah, basically yeah uh, he's, a, he's a talking head. He's a loud mouth on TV most of the time. And here he's playing a, a reporter version of that. Uh, and so news reports of all the violence. This is very uh, RoboCop 2-like. Yes. Um, doesn't, doesn't necessarily feel good when you're watching it. It's got some cool things, really cool things to it. But... Mm-hmm got this bad vibe yeah 1990 um, has that ex- excessively violent uh we had total recall die hard 2 predator 2 robocop 2 <laughs> they, they seem like really cynical very dark and just yeah. gore filled yeah well this one was going to be nc-17 is actually the first movie holy schmoles to be rated nc-17 like this uh and the uncut version is only available in germany so far as i've been seen uh as been i've searched online i am low to find a rogue file of it here and there there aren't any okay so uh i wasn't able to see all the the gross stuff that's been cut out uh because it's super violent and that's the deal um nc-17 for violence so they cut some stuff i don't know what oh yeah i do know one the jamaican drug lord meets with our detective danny glover in the alleyway and after the detective leaves, the predator jumps down to get the weaker of the quarry, which is the Jamaican. He kills him and rips out his spine and his skull. So he puts his hand in his back and rips out the spine, and the skull follows. And that is the scene that was cut, this is the ripping out the spine. It was cut in favor of him just holding the head. And actually, it works that way. Do you think it's funny how Stephen Hopkins was... Like he did Nightmare Five and Predator Two, which are, are subpar but gore-filled films. Then he did like uh, Judgment Night three years later, which is amazing. And then he did Ghost in the Darkness, which was really restrained with what happens to them. You know? Um, yeah. It's funny. He he became yeah, he, like a totally different style director. He watched Reservoir Dogs and learned from Tarantino in the one scene where the guy cuts off the guy's ear. To There's two shots of yeah. that. There's two shots of that. One is the camera doesn't t- cut away, and the audience was like, huh. And then the second shot, the camera cuts away, and the audience is like, ah! Because you're imagining so what's going I think, on, yeah. Yeah, so I think he, he tightened up his skills in that uh, lets the audience do half the work, uh, which is good. You want the audience to think and to imagine. That's what movies are for. So um, at the very end, though, there's a bunch of predators that show up. This is where the bulky dudes are. Uh, but... Um, this is where we start to see hierarchies in Predators, what your question was. Are these guys on, like, rites of passage? And the answer is yes. But this comes from extended universe, comic book learning and stuff like this. So the Predators are from a planet called Yaucha Prime, and they're 
their their race of whatever they are is called Yauchas. They're Yaucha, uh, which is kind of dumb because we don't call Earth Earth Prime, and though we are referred to as Earthlings, every living creature on this planet is an Earthling, uh-huh. down to the bacterium. So, so like humans is what we are. We're not from planet human prime. Anyway, bad writing. Uh, there, there's the unblooded, which are teenagers, basically children to teenagers. There's the young blood, which is they've gotten a, at least a kill, and so they've been blooded. Uh, not sorry, they're they've, they're on their way to their kill. They're on a major hunt type of thing. The blooded are the ones who have had their kill. Elites are the bosses over them. Elders are the super old dudes that uh, like show up and hand the hero uh, an item of some sort. <laughs> like, yeah, here's a, a hand Danny Glover this gun from 1712 or something, and he's like, what am I go- Oh, I could just pawn this and get a lot of money. Yeah. Well, uh, it's surprising they gave him back his own uh, world's weapon. You think they would give him some sort of like one of their weapons, some futuristic sci-fi crap. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then there are the ancients, and the ancients are the guys that are like probably dead, and they're highly revered, even more so. But there's bad bloods, which are the rogue predators, which comes in with the predators film. Mm-hmm. But before that, there's alien versus predator because of the stupid throwaway gag skull. Well, that and the they comic book in. was huge. Dark Horse did right. a crossover that was very popular. It's funny, when I look back, I was just thinking about this today, because I um, this morning I bought a huge lot of comics from a guy for like nothing, like a dime a piece. And I'm going through all these independent companies going, oh, all the independent companies in the 80s and early 90s, all they did was license out you know, worlds that we already knew. Instead of creating their own thing, and that almost was every single company's undoing except Dark Horse, because Dark Horse had enough money in their coffers to not only license the characters, but also do an excellent comic book. It seems like a lot of them, they wouldn't have any money for good art or terrible writing, just like coasting on familiarity. Dark Horse also had their own titles. It took them a while to really get going, though. They had Grendel and Concrete, I think, and that was about it in the beginning. But they, they built their goodwill with their audience through the license stuff yes. because they kept on putting out quality work in the early 90s um, when they really started getting going with their own stuff but I noticed that's where a lot of the companies fail where they didn't bother to focus on their own creations Dark Horse was very smart about it yeah they, they had a, a nice split like a 60-40 60 license 40 their own uh, I, I thought that's, that's pretty cool because you got some good stuff out of Dark Horse you also got like barbed wire, which is <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the other predators here are basic and super, eventually a predalien, and I think in the newest one is an ultimate, whatever. But um, a running theme throughout. Do you know video games? Yeah, somewhat. You ever? Yeah, you, you ever play against people online at all? No, no, because they're always better than me, and I always okay. suck. <sighs> Terribly. Uh, well, I mean, I suppose you could do this in an arcade as well. But there's a thing called rage quitting. Our listeners probably all know what rage quitting is. Rage quitting is hilarious and terrible all at the same time. People get super, super mad and they destroy the equipment that they're using. Oh, God. They, they're playing and they get mad because they get killed in Fortnite or whatever uh, 
Call of Duty, anything. They get killed in some easy-peasy way that the, the guy who killed them just killed them super simply while this guy's doing something really epic, usually is how it goes. And then he dies, he's dead. The guy just flips out and breaks the monitor or smashes the console and his live feed wow. goes dead. I'm too poor stuff to like do this. stuff like that. It's called rage quitting. And the Predator in Predator 1 and Predator 2 is a rage quitter. Absolute rage quit. And further on, there the, he attempts to rage quit, I believe, in the, the AVP uh, Requiem. But that's it. Like, you beat me. I'm, you can't. No. Nobody wins. I'm going to nuke the place. You know, I had no idea where you were going when you asked me about the video games. I thought, is there an Aliens vs. Predator video game that I don't know about? <laughs> oh, yes. There probably is. But that's where I'm going. The Predator is a rage quitter. Yeah, Absolutely. Totally. What a little jerk. I always thought that he was like, come on, dude. It's an unfair thing that you're doing in the first place. Nobody knows that they're being hunted by you until it's too late. And then you get bested, and now you're all like, no. And throw the checkerboard. Checkerboard. Anyway. To be fair, if a deer had the same thing against him, I wouldn't mind if he kind of nuked the hunters around him. Well, but the deer isn't the hunter. It's the hunter. If the, oh, the right, hunter right, right, gets right. gored, right? The yeah. hunter would get gored by the deer. He's like, forget it. I'm going to bomb this preserve. No. That's dumb. So, okay. There you go. Rage quitters. Get that out of the way. Yeah. Do you like the uh, ADP but... movies? Uh, yes no yeah in that order <laughs> um yeah paul thomas anderson does some things that are pretty great but he also and, stole uh, from me. you know he stole I said from the wrong name. Paul, paul w paul w s anderson yeah what do you mean he stole from vincenzo natale you know that he took stuff from cube for resident evil and for avp with the whole moving around shifting thing and that bugs okay. me to no end okay no, that's that. That's shouldn't bug you really. Everything's a remix, but uh, maybe doing it done... once, maybe twice. Come on. Well, you know, back in the day, uh, poets used to write letters to each other, and these letters would take forever to get to each other. And they'd read this poem, and it would inspire them to write a rebuttal poem or a spoof poem, and they would send it back to the guy who sent them the original poem. What, this is like the old-time version of Rap Battles? Yeah. <laughs> not not Rap Battles, not necessarily Spoof. That's, yes, some parody references, some some humor going on, but definitely some references to that guy's work in your own work. They used to do this all the time back in the day. Uh, so it's I see filmmaking somewhat like that. Everybody right now is influenced by Spielberg, even if they don't want to be. Yeah, basically. So... And maybe guys like Terrence Malick, too. If you're going to do an art film with lingering shot, it's, oh, that's a Terrence Malick move. That was pioneered in 1969, dude. You didn't even know it existed, whatever. It does. You're influenced by it. Uh, but I think AVP, the first one, is fine. Pro Prometheus is essentially the same movie, but better. However... There's a certain kind of 
pop quality to Paul W.S. Anderson's work that I don't think really worked. It's uh, the slow-mo porn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back That was during the uh, post-John Woo. Uh, hold this as long as possible. <laughs> right. John Woo knew how to do it, though. That was yeah, John yeah. Woo's signature. It was a signature unto him. And then, like, um, uh, what they started doing this stuff where it's slow down, speed up, slow down, yeah, speed up. Yeah, the Zack Snyder method. But I think, actually, Zack Snyder thing. Paul W. Sanderson's really the one who started that. So, to be fair, he ripped off someone and someone ripped off him. Yeah, so... Anderson's stuff is just like the predator is jumping slowly or throwing the thing slowly at the alien that's slow and look how cool it is. This movie should be 3D. And it's before 3D was a thing. Right. You so, know what's funny is the movie is only, I think, if I remember correctly, 79 minutes long and it's 12 minutes of credits. We ran this at the theater and I know this because it took, <laughs> we did the premiere. We, um, we did the midnight yes, premiere. That they version. got so screwed up that they didn't start till 1 o'clock in the morning and everybody was Pissed. Wow. Yeah. There's an ex. There's an extended version which is better. It has more gore and and it it, it should have the more gore. It, it was supposed to be R, right? Running. It was originally supposed to be R right. rated. And they got nervous and cut it down. And thankfully, I mean, here it's all special effects done with CG that you can cut it down. It's not Expendables fake bloods squibs. Yeah, yeah. But it is stabbing running through uh, with an invisible item that has blood on it. So that has to be CG. Um, so this is the one where you start to understand uh, the the dang, uh, what's it called, um, hierarchy thing and that this is a rite of passage. These are either young bloods or unblooded. I think they're young bloods. They're going to be blooded by the end of this thing. Yeah. The hunt is they have aliens to hunt. And they need incubators, so that's the human sacrifice. And it goes back to ancient times, and it's this is the Prometheus thing, where it's off-world where they go, but here it's it's on our planet in the very cold, and there's a a, a pyramid underground, which is different than the other ones because they always took them to a hot place. Here they they switch it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting. It's got some cool ideas. It's got some somewhat ancient astronaut theory it's not terrible it's not bad it's one of anderson's good movies yeah it's it's popcorn but it's not bad popcorn which is what the second one requiem i still have no idea what's going on in that movie i can't see anything ah yes that's a problem now i watched it again last night because uh why not i have it uh, uh i have it laying around here so i watched it and one, it's dark. Two, everybody is really bummed and upset. This is this is mostly middle America, though it happens in Colorado. This is salt of the earth people, but this is salt of the earth people under the heel of the government. Um, just theoretically, just as like the oppressive government sort of thing. The, the Maybe not political, but uh, like it's Colorado, so it seems like these people are like libertarians types. There's hunters out there. Um, they get aliens in them, face huggers, grab them. This movie doesn't care if it's a kid, by the way, or an unborn kid. It just doesn't care. Yeah, it's nihilistic in a way. That's the word. Now, it reminded me of, finally, when everybody got together to fight the aliens and then eventually the predator, not knowing that the predator is there to kind of fight the alien too. They... They have this sort of 
everybody gets together in uh, personnel vehicles, and that's the point where I was like, this is like Red Dawn. This is like feel bad like Red Dawn is. Red Dawn did something to make you care about the characters. Yeah, sort of. I decided, I, I'm not a huge fan of the original Red Dawn. It's okay. But I've always thought that. I was like, oh, God, most of these actors are terrible. They're annoying. I know they're children, but they're annoying. I don't care. I actually will stand up for the remake. Oh, okay. I saw the remake. I don't like Josh Beck. I think no, he's it. miscast. It should have been the other kid. Josh Hutchison should have been his brother. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, the tone in the remake of that one isn't as heavy but in the original Red Dawn it's a very heavy tone and this movie has something similar to that except it it steps away from that as well because it's it's science fiction it's fake, it's absolutely fake it's not even possible so, but it doesn't care so that's, that's what's great about it actually is the movie doesn't care about its characters and anybody at any time can die yeah the pretty girl kind of the, who's clearly the directors be... what are the Sparrow brothers they did not the Sparrow brothers who are the ones that Sprague. did Sprague. and they did uh, skyline which is yeah. I, you think you think requiem's bad skyline is such a drop off a cliff downward in quality hey they I... produce Skyline all on their own with minimal yeah. budget. And they made a big profit off of it. It's a decent success, and they have a sequel that's even better. I heard, um, yeah, I heard weirder. the sequel's better. Um, but they produced that one. But Skyline, at least they learned how to light a scene. <laughs> yes. Okay, because this movie is just far too dark. What I was saying, though, is like the girl that you, you need to protect, they say, in movies. Pretty blonde girl. You have to absolutely protect her while she gets taken out like gruesomely except you can't see it because it's too dark uh the boy that is also supposed to survive who's supposed to be her boyfriend eventually also gets mortally wounded um it's just like that this film a pregnant lady gets impregnated by the predalian with predalian baby eggs <laughs> like, predalian so and she's already she's already just going into labor holy crap movie yeah like, you're so mean. And that's the thing. It's an overbearing, mean tone to the, the characters in the film. Um, yeah, which very minimal humor yeah. to it. There's just one one joke, which is like, are you guys stoned? And the two stoner dudes are like, uh, shrug? Yeah, that was the joke. That was the one joke in the film. The, the third one actually is a little bit darker like that one at times. But even the humor has like a almost like a oddball oh, the, twist to the it. The third official. Yeah, the third official. You're saying Robert Rodriguez has produced Nimrod Antal directed yeah. Predators. Everybody and it's a villain, uh, in one way or another. Um, Not right? uh, Are they though? Shush. No giving away okay. this the 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 big old ending. Right, right. Everybody is a is considered a predator. At least most of them are considered a predator. That's where it's predators. Yeah, uh, so it seems more fair in this one than uh, Requiem. Um, that you know, well, also the villain's different. There's a, a, almost a sense of honor with how the predators function, except for those two little bomb-releasing uh, rage losers, uh, rage quitters. You said. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. It, there's a sense of honor, especially in uh, the first AVP and this new Predator one. Uh, oh, definitely, first AVP is really good with the. Well, yeah, right, siding with the human. But no, no, this is a young 
alien. This is a young predator who's, who notes that this survivalist woman is awesome at what she does. Yeah, and she's so, great. Uh, Sana Levan might be the best uh, female character in the whole series. Uh, in the whole series? I really like her are you character. Con- are you considering... Uh, Alien with Ripley? No, I'm no, joking. no. I'm talking um, <laughs> only the pred- I'm only talking the Predators. The Predators. Yeah, well, these two Alien versus Predator movies are not considered a Predator canon. Yeah, they're kind of like side notes, like the way Jason versus Freddy doesn't apparently count at all. <laughs> yeah. So, like, why make it? Because people wanted to see it. That's all. Uh, and then they stopped wanting to see the Predator for a while because AVP Requiem was was a bit um, cumbersome. Yeah, well, a Predator has always been like the second one. You know, Aliens always had the prestige, the huge box office, the higher level directors, the bigger budgets. Um, Predator always seems like the little stepbrother of the whole thing. You know, uh, not as well appreciated, lower budgets, not as well known directors or cast. But I, I actually find them just as enjoyable at times. I really, I, I, I'm just, I said this to someone they thought I was insane. I think Predators is better than the original, even though I know that it can exist. A lot of it wouldn't make sense if you don't watch the first one. Uh, but I think it's a, <clears throat> it's a better movie, not by a lot. I, just, you know. No, well, hold on, hold on. I think filmmaking wise, I'm really drawn to McTiernan's style in the '80s. I think his style is very good, and I think. What you said about the characters all being distinct. You could tell a whole heck of a lot about every single character just by the camera sitting on them for a little bit. And that's what they did really well with Predator. And Predators, they picked that up, but Predators um, doesn't seem as natural if you think about it. There's a couple of line readings that Adrian Brody does. Oh, yeah, Adrian Brody plays the big badass in this one. What? So Adrian Brody says, you know, follow me this way or don't. You you stay, you die, whatever. And she's like, well, we all want to live. And he's like, well, follow me. Something like that. And his delivery of follow me is just so, like, the ego is on the me. And really, as a badass, he shouldn't have any ego at all. True, true. He should simply just go... Follow me then. So you know, when, he, when he says it like that, it's not his character saying that. It's almost as if Adrian Brody, the actor, was saying that because he finally gets to play a badass, and uh, he, he an was letting his personal get in way of the professional. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know anything about that, but that's an interesting theory. Uh, but that's that's all I'm saying is line reading. I wonder how many different line readings of "Follow Me" they had. Well, follow me then. Yeah. Um, like you just got to put the emphasis on the word follow and the less on the me. And then I'm like, totally with you. You're not acting. But when he goes, follow me or whatever, I'm like, uh, okay. Who, uh, it's Nimrod just Antal, right? They did this one? Yeah, Nimrod Antal, he did, um, Armored. previously he did a movie called Control, which is a, I think a Polish film or a Czechoslovakian film, something like this. And, I have seen it, and I don't remember anything about it except that it's cool looking. Other than that, cinematography, I don't remember anything about the plot. Yeah, I remember the guy who did um, Doomsday and Descent was supposed to direct it, but for some reason it didn't work out. Or that's oh, that would have been great, especially since Descent. What is that guy's Descent name? Descent is. He's doing help. Uh, um, Neil Marshall. Thank you. Yeah, I believe Neil Marshall was the first guy chosen, but for some reason it just didn't work out. 
And that's when they went to Nimrod Antal, who I, I really enjoy Armored. It's a, a completely different style of movie, but he handled a lot of action and a very large cast, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I like Predators a lot. We watched it. I was very... I have it. I mean, Blu-ray. I was very... I haven't seen it since, since the theater. So I was very entertained. I liked it, but there's a little bit of scrutiny there that it makes it not so much a, a classic as the previous, but I can say that it holds its own up to the previous, yeah. and there's some interesting things like in the previous. It makes references to the previous. It, it's hard so, to talk about it because a lot of it, just like the first film, a lot of that uh, movie is a mystery. You're, you, I don't. We used to give away all the secrets, but this time I don't want to. And right. Well, well, as the predator, as the characters, not the aliens, but as the characters, each one is like war criminal, mercenary, um, you know, prisoner, mercenary. Yeah. They do money or serial killer, even um, serial rapist. Walton Goggins' character. Holy crap, holy how can he be moly. so revolting and hilarious at the same time? I think a lot of it, though, isn't what he says, it's the reactions to what he says, which makes it uh, funny. Oh, right, no, definitely. Um, the, the the Chechen rebel, I believe? Maybe? Yes, yes. Uh, he's like, you shouldn't, pay, you shouldn't hang out with that guy. Like, this is a guy <laughs> who's been in the hardest war-torn time ever in the 20th century, 21st century, whatever, and he's like, you shouldn't hang out with that guy. <laughs> okay, I take your advice, Russian dude. I really like Lawrence Fishburne um, in this one. He's great. Uh, Topher Grace was awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. I feel like the only one Alice is, the, Braga. It, yeah, she's Alice great too. Alice Braga, yeah. he's great. I like Alice Braga a lot. Um, she's the niece, but this has nothing to do with her acting, but she's the niece of Sonia Braga, yeah. who is a uh, like acting royalty from the... 80s at least um yeah the um this one's more action-packed there's still a mystery but it moves i think at a faster clip than the original um but not but as this chaotic is the one that as features a, a bad blood what's that this is this is the one that features the super super alien the super predator yes and a bad blood so the bad blood is how like they, they find a bad blood tied to a tree that's i'm not gonna tell you more what is a bad blood mean? A bad, bad bloods that won't do bro. Cause it, he's rogue. He's he's not playing by the tribe's rules or something like that. So he's a bad blood. He's a rogue. But he, this guy is obviously a bad blood. He's right. being punished some, for some so reason. So is is a bad blood bad in their tribe but good to us? Because what I'm trying to figure out is okay. So I don't think they have a choice. They don't have a choice in what in in taking part of the rite of passage. Sure. Okay. So are they bad blood sure, if they I, refuse I, to I, take so part of it? He's like, no, no, Dad, I'm a pacifist. <laughs> okay, so that makes you a bad boy. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm my my family comes from a long line of cops, but I'm not going to be a cop. I'm going to be a Broadway performer. <laughs> You're a bad blood, son. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if Dana Gould's family re refers to him as the bad blood one <laughs> because he's so wildly different. <laughs> I'm assuming you've heard his yeah, story. Yeah. Yes, I have. Uh, similar to what I actually just said, except not Broadway, but comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's that's it, really. Uh, I like them all here and there. I like things about every single one of them. Yes. I think one and Predators, Predator and Predators, 
or too sweet, very good. Yes. And the rest I could give or take, depending on mood. So what is this new one about? I've only seen one teaser trailer. I haven't watched the new one. Um, so they're coming to Earth and they're taking on a band of mercenaries, but in the city? No. No, 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 no. It's also set in a suburban type thing. The uh, Requiem wasn't suburban. It was Mountain Town. It's like Bend, Oregon. Uh-huh. wasn't It was Colorado, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, sub- Have you suburb. been to Bend? Is Bend is the hipster capital of Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful looking place. They, they took on the aliens um, with hot chai tea. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. Would you like some uh, artisan sliced pizza? Yeah. So the um, the setting, so far as I understand, is it's similar to like a suburb or outside of a major city, and there's definitely some sci-fi, like um, a science facility there, and they're the people behind uh, discovering more and more what's going on. Also, in Predator Two, to jump back, Gary Busey is character who was supposed to be Dutch, Dutch's Schwarzenegger's character. Oh. They rewrote it to be a government spook. Also, a government spook in that movie is Adam Baldwin, who plays nothing but government spooks, unless he's playing a bad guy. And so here, government spook, uh, I wonder if Adam Baldwin's going to show up in Alien, uh, not Alien, in Predator, the Predator, which has the ultimate Predator. There is an ultimate predator in this, which is a this giant predator dude, twelve feet tall or something. Okay, huge. Right. Uh, uh, by the way, I was wrong. I told you what, a year ago or two years ago that there was no way in hell that Shane Black was ever going to direct the Predator. That he was clearly lining it up and was going to step aside and have Fred <laughs> Decker direct it. I was wrong. <laughs> no, you know why? Because because he has pedigree now because he has a bunch of movies under his belt that he's directed that people like yeah but I just I just don't know if this is a step down for him I'm worried because The Nice Guys was so good but it didn't make any money if the Predator bombs I don't know if they're ever going to make Doc Savage which was what I thought he was going to focus on instead of Predator see I thought he was going to give it to Fred Decker because they're like best friends and he co-wrote it he's directed a bunch of movies he was going to sidestep and go over to Doc Savage you know, which was the big two hundred million dollar epic with uh, Dwayne Johnson, but now that Dwayne Johnson is tied to every single movie in production or pre-production, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Right? Yeah. Huh? I don't know. I do not know. All right. So I hope it's good. I hope it kind of keeps the franchise going, and not in just a oh, let's just keep a, an entry every five years, just keep people interested. No, something that revitalizes it. But I just don't feel it's happening. Hmm. Hmm. We'll see it's I'm September. very excited to see it. Yeah, I hope everybody yeah. is. So, um, that's definitely one that we're, we're hitting the theater for. And it's got Olivia Munn in it, and I really like Olivia Munn. I think she's cool. Yeah, she's cool. Well, Thomas Jane. And Thomas Jane, uh, he's the one I'm like, what? <laughs> they snuck that guy in here. It's a sneak. It's a sneak. It's got uh, Key, Keegan-Michael Key. He's like highlighted in it. But, and the guy, I don't know his name, he's, he's the villain in Logan. Oh, Boyd uh, Holbrook? He's yeah, he's, oh, that's Hal Holbrook's kid. Is it? Bring it back. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty the sure. Circle, the circle of life. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm not right, <laughs> then it's just a name similarity. But okay. hey, it's a name similarity. <laughs> but fine. But yeah, uh, but, but 
sneaking Thomas Jane in there, not even saying Thomas Jane in the initial tra- teaser. It's just like showing him going like ah, blah, 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 something gruff. Thomas Jane gruff words. Yeah, like, Wait, it's who's uh... that? Wait, that's Thomas Jane. Boy, is there a dude that always skirts on the uh, rim of success? It's it's Thomas Jane. You keep thinking Thomas it's going to happen, and it doesn't. Just doesn't. But you know what? I would say his career is pretty successful. It is. I, I mean, if you can enough. get continuous acting work for twenty five years in this business, uh, that's a success in itself. Yeah, and and like superstardom. Who wants to be Tom Cruise? Yeah, really? you're, you're you're the pressure's so high at all times. Besides, Thomas Jane walks around bare feet anywhere he wants. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he does. Is he a he hobbit? Care. I don't know. He just walks around bare feet. So far as I recall, seeing, he just walks around bare feet wherever he goes. If he wants to, nobody's like, hey, sir, you have to put your shoes out. Like, no shirt, no shoes, no service. It's Thomas Jane. You're going to serve him. Oh, yeah. You were in the mess. You killed your kid. Uh, do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's like, oh, you're Thomas Jane. You're the Punisher one time. Oh, yeah. you're Thomas Jane. You were in the Velvet Gold Mine. I don't. I wonder if people walk up to him <laughs> and just go, deepest, bluest. My head is like a shark spin. <laughs> yeah, Deep Blue Sea is probably one that he he's known for very much, actually. Yeah. All right, we, we've stalled enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Really where, where do you get your shirts? The Predator movies. Where do you get your shirts? Uh, my shirts. Oh, jeez. Just go to jametsgo.com. Or follow me on Twitter, Jimetzko, G-I-M-E-T-Z-C-O dot com. All right. Or, and yes. uh, check out your podcasts. Uh, you can see them also through your Twitter. And uh, check out our yeah. show on Facebook under Video Night. Yes. Or Retro Rocket Entertainment. Yeah, I mean, at, I do, I do at, like 12 different shows. I think that between you and I, I think we have 15 shows going. I think we've covered 90% yeah. of the podcasts out there. It's just like Mark Marin and then <laughs> us. <laughs> <laughs> right hopefully anyway <laughs> all right well good night everybody all right good night wait hold on <laughs> i can't do it i don't have it <laughs> you had the last i can't time. do it it's just chewbacca this is an add-on everybody you've you've got to the end of the uh episode from what two years ago yeah so this is a special bonus this is the 2020 version where we just finally decided hey there it is how do you do that it's my tongue in my mouth. <laughs> Do you have to have water in there or something? Oh, oh, oh. No, 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 no. Okay, so am I supposed to be going... There was surprisingly not a lot of that noise in this movie. Yeah. The Predator. Um, I love The Predator. I watched it again last night and I just fell in love with it. It might be my favorite sequel. It, it's How all, oh. did you like it the first time? The first time I was just, I think I was apprehensive because of all the, hey, this was messed up, re-edited, chopped up, dumped in theaters, everybody was mad about it, uh, and I just kind of had this weird apprehensive, this, this time I just let go, because I already knew what was going to happen with the movie, and I kind of just got to sit with the characters, instead of dealing with the action sequences, oh, this CGI doesn't work, or, or whatever, this jump cut, um... It just didn't bother me, so I just sat and enjoyed the characters. I liked being around them, metaphorically, yeah. of course, yeah. Yeah, so, so okay, uh, let's do the, the roll through it real quick. Predator lands on Earth, there's some sort of uh, doohickey, uh, a sniper dude that's already on some other thing, so it's all stupid coincidence at the beginning. Like, Shane, are we really going to believe that this happens, like, to our hero guy... It just so happens to be there, but he's also a super 
super sniper dude doing a job for our military, rescuing some people, and then the predator ship lands. Like, just so happens. But of course, it's a movie. It's a contrivance, and it works. Right. So he he uh, he takes some predator gear, sends it to his son, kind of goes on the lamb, gets busted. The son gets it, but the son has Asperger's. Oh, I thought it was autism. It's the same thing. Is it's it? a kind of autism. I guess yes. I'm stupid. I didn't well, know that. that's why those two bullies are like, I'm hungry for some Asperger's. Oh. Asperger's. And I was like, Ugh. I get what they're doing. That joke is just kind of like, those kids are stupid. Yeah. But that's also part of the joke is that those kids are stupid. So this kid is super brilliant. The point of the Asperger scene that I just mentioned was to establish how brilliant he is because there's all these chess boards and he's just walking around the room looking at all these chess boards with all these kids playing chess. And then they leave, go to lunch, two bullies come in, bully him, knock him down. And then they destroy all the chess pieces, just knock them all off the chess uh, boards. And the kid goes around putting them back exactly where they were. So, whoa, this kid's on another level already. But he's functional. He's not like Rain Man. He doesn't, like, have the OCD tendency, like he's a vampire, drops him. You know the vampire thing? Yeah, yeah, the heads count. He drops some rice. Oh, rice, okay. Or sand, yeah. I don't know. see that. It's anything that's a little small, like pebbles, rice. They just have to count. I don't know where that came from in the lore, but he's not like that kind of Rain Man kid. Anyway, so he gets the, the box and he starts tinkering with it and he activates it. So that's a homing beacon for some other predators to come down and get it. In the meantime, the military is trying to get info on it, but they're also like uh, going to squirrel the, the, our hero dude, the kid's father, away with a bunch of what they call loonies. Uh, which is the quote-unquote problematic part of the movie. I saw a lot of this when it came out, and I do not agree that it's problematic. No, um, I know. Yeah, I well, to me, it was kind of like, it reminded me of... Uh, One um, Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? No, this is way more personal on a lower level. Um, In-school <laughs> suspension. I got, oh. I got in-school suspension for the silliest thing. Um, I talk too much, and I have no self-control sometimes. And I'm very impulsive, and I would interrupt and joke around in class, and I would get uh, lunch detention. So I would have to grab my food and go up and whatever. And I just kept forgetting over and over and over and over and over. And finally, on the fourth or fifth time that I forgot, she gave me in-school suspension. Of course, I cried because how dare she? I just have I have absent-minded, you know? It's just the way I am. So I had to spend the day in, in um, ISS. And in there are all these, like, misfit kids, and they're all the, their own unique reason for being misfits. And I spent the whole day with them, and I just felt like an outsider just being part of this group for the whole day. It was very interesting. And when it was over with, I got talked to by a counselor, and he's like, you don't even belong in there. You're just absent-minded. Like, there's no will, you know, uh, bad behavior or anything like that. And uh, it just reminded me of hanging out with those guys in the movie. It was the same as being that one day in ISS. Yeah, so our hero dude has some PTSD from some scene. Basically killing a bunch of people. 23 missions, 13 confirmed kills. Uh, being a sniper, he has to assassinate people. Uh, and so that's 13 people he killed, and he does not enjoy it. His little kid says at one point, Mom says, you're a killer. And he's like, I'm not a killer. I'm a soldier. 
well, what's the difference? He's like, well, when you enjoy it, <laughs> you're a killer. So uh, you know that he's dealing with something, but he's not crazy. He's not a loon, but he's put on the bus full of loons, and they are fun characters. And I think the problematic moment is that calling them loonies and treating them like they're real people instead of like they're needing to be treated with kid gloves. That's how the script treated them, like they were real people. Right, just like they did with the and kid. I, and I loved every moment of that. Every moment of that. all, Including <laughs> Thomas Jane taking a, a quote-unquote pay uh, hit or, or something, a dock and pay for not being the lead. He's just a supporting character, and he's great. Yeah, it might be my favorite performance <laughs> of his. Yeah, it's like... Weird, irreverent, and he's got Tourette's. They, all the guys have PTSD. One guy tried to kill himself. He walked himself into the hospital with a bullet in his head after he had killed uh, an officer over him. Um, you, that, another, is that what that is? I thought he was referring to himself as the, the CO that, that he shot. Oh, was he was referring to himself. as He's the CO Whoa. and he shot himself. Whoa, dude. I've seen this twice, so I, I maybe because you know I'm a little slow sometimes. Um, I think you're right. That makes it even more impactful. Wow! So he tried to kill himself. Yeah, he was referring to himself in third person, and then later he reveals. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. Takes I didn't get his... that. Oh. Wow! Sometimes I'm a big dummy. Yeah, I'm usually the big dummy. Don't take mm. my role. <laughs> <laughs> Here, you can have it back. Well, and Keegan-Michael um, Key is... Yeah. He and, and Thomas Jane have a very strange, antagonistic, almost like brother relationship. Uh, well, the deal is, Keegan-Michael Key's guy uh, got turned around in battle and shot up his own transport full of his own troops. How did I miss that? Holy killed, shit. killed six of them. Wow. One survived, and that one survivor was Thomas Jane. Oh my god, how did I miss this? They explain this on the bus? Mm-hmm. No, oh. not on the bus. They explain it later in, in, a, in another scene. But they are... Um, they had to go to uh, hearing after hearing. And so they're just sitting out there waiting for... Um, waiting to be called by the, the lawyers. You know, uh, JAG, whatever you call them. Yeah. Uh, and so they would just be sitting there. They developed a friendship over this. <laughs> Puka's going crazy. Oh, I thought that was you. I was like, what are you doing no. with your files? No, Puka's going crazy with the, <laughs> with the cottage cheese bucket. <laughs> it's empty. <laughs> I'm going to go somewhere else. Now it's following me. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you can edit this. He thinks I'm playing again. Okay. Uh, so, while we're talking about dogs, real quick, that is a very interesting relationship they develop with the predator dog. Yes! The predator dog is great. They shoot him in the head, and he becomes, he's like basically lobotomized, and he becomes loyal to them. It's pretty great. <laughs> um, so, so, those guys are all on a bus Thomas Jane is is the buddy uh, of Keegan and they've developed this relationship is what I was trying to get to uh, and which was explained 
you have Alfie. Um, his name is Alfie. He's Theon Greyjoy from Game of Thrones. He had a better scene that was extended, an extended scene of that's been cut out of him dealing with some bikers. Yeah, I thought that was a really good scene. They shouldn't have cut it. They should not have cut it. That was a pretty great scene. That's when I was like, you should watch the deleted scenes. Yeah. Um, So Alfie, I don't really know what his deal is. He's one of the loons, but I don't know why. Do you? No, I just feel like they must have trimmed that out because they really give his character the least to do. Yeah, he's he's another sniper type. Um, Then you have the guy who... I forget his name, but he's a Hispanic dude, and he's adorable. He's really funny and adorable, and uh, how he gets taken out just sucks. Yes, that was, I kept going, just jump already! Just get down, you dummy! Stop it! <laughs> right. Okay, we'll get there. Um, but they they end up being the, 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 the what does he call them? Unit the unit that goes and actually tries to do something about it. It seems like they're the only ones that are functional enough, the crazy guys, to do something about the Predator stuff. Yeah, which I think is why this one is so much stronger than any of the sequels. Or, period, if any of the movies, because the first one, it's all macho, you know, tough guys. The second movie is kind of like these dickhead cops. The third one... um, uh, alpha predator humans versus predators transported to their planet or a planet. Yeah, and they're all basically, uh, you know, they're not good guys ex- except for like one, I think, right? Yeah, no. yeah, it's just just the soldier. No, the soldier is the typical. It's basically the template, you know, Dutch type soldier. He's like a good enough guy. He still kills and stuff. But right, but it's mostly he's about, not happy about these it. villains. Well, Dutch. You know? was yeah. kind of happy about it, right? Yeah, but this one to is just, these are guys with good hearts, you know, and they're they're fighting not just for themselves, or, or they're fighting to save that kid. And I just thought it was yeah. so noble. These guys sacrifice themselves to, you know, for the right reason. Now, um, how the alien stuff happens is they get a hold of uh, the, the kind of B-plot that converges with the A-plot um, is Olivia Munn. She's a scientist, and she gets called in to Look at some scientist stuff. Language, language. Stargazer, I think is what they call it, right? Stargazer Project. Project Stargazer, yeah. yeah. And uh, they pull her in, and then she's like, I like the scene where she walks into the hallway, and there's some Predator gear, and she's like, I need to see, can I get into this? Can I see this? And they're like, um, <laughs> excuse me, over here, knock, knock, knock. Uh, you can talk to this guy, and it's a Predator that's just laying on a slab. <laughs> and she's like, oh, <laughs> right. Um the Gary Busey character from the second movie, his son is in this movie, played by Jake Busey. Did they mention it? Because how do you know that no, it's his son? But, okay, just but it out. I know this is his son because of, you know, pro- promotional materials. And big teeth. <laughs> and what? And big teeth. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, well, they look similar. But what I really love about Jake Busey's role in this is that he's not playing Jake Busey. Oh, thank God. If you're watching a Jake Busey movie, you can expect uh, him to say, God damn it, like 200 times in a movie. It's ridiculous. I mean, I like some Jake Busey stuff when he's doing Jake Busey, yes. but here he's just, 
He's toned down. It's nice. Yeah. It's refreshing. His best performance since Shasta McNasty. Oh, no. <laughs> That's like basically what I'm talking about. So not good. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I never got to drop Shasta McNasty in a podcast before. I I'm know, so proud of myself. People are like, what? <laughs> uh, remember UPN, everybody? <laughs> okay, so there we have our, our, our gang. Uh, our troop, our unit, versus the Predator. But they don't know that they're actually versus... They don't know what they're versus, really. The scientist chick gets uh, in the situation and all all hell blo- uh, breaks loose in, in the labs. So the Predator gets out. She strips bare because she has to decontaminate to get out of the room. And so she's huddled down. And I, I made this joke. Um... The predator walked by, looks down at her, and goes, nah, and walks on. And I was like, that's the patriarchy for you. <laughs> Naked woman not threatening. She's not threatening enough. <laughs> but she was literally not a threat. It's not. I thought maybe he couldn't joke. see her, and that's why. I couldn't figure that one out because I was like, well, is it because of that little thing that she's in, it blocks the heat? No, or... no, he sees her, makes eye contact with her. She's not a threat. She yeah, but no do they actually show that? he sees her in his vision? Because they never actually show that. Hmm. He, actually, do they, no do they basically ditch that in this movie? I'm trying to think now. I feel no, like everybody they're obsessed with it. the heat vision. Yeah, I mean, it's, why do you got to be obsessed with it? It's already been established. Yeah. Um, but they have it in this movie here and there, but they don't milk it. So so she's uh, she's she gets out. And she follows him on foot. And I'm like, what? This lady's crazy and awesome. And, like, this is another issue that some people have. Like, oh, yeah, like, right, like a scientist lady would do that. And I'm like, why not? <laughs> Honestly. If you really, really want to know, I mean, why is it every time we watch, like, an alien invasion movie, it's always like, the mad doctor is after the guy who's on the run, you know, like, Starman and stuff like that. We don't question that, but. Yeah, but, I mean, that that's... Also, a man in a suit just strolling instead of just some relatively fit chick grabbing a gun, a uh, dart gun, that is, to trank it and take it off after him. It's, it's impressive because it's impressive, period. Yeah. It would have been impressive if any other character did it, too. Yeah, well, they even asked her, her, go, you're going to take him down with the train gun? She's like, yeah. Like, so confident, <laughs> of course. Right. The, the thing I like about her character is that she's, like, all in. Yeah. Well, she well they see where she's, where she's knocked out, and then she picks yeah. up that shotgun, and she's like, yeah, we're going to pull the trigger. Yeah, we're going to take this gun. And they're all like, oh, I do a bet on that one. You owe me 20 bucks. I should have bet on that one, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they end up, because uh, she's going to be on the run, too. She's going to be on the lam, yeah. just like they are, and they were actually, at least our main guy was going to be killed. Yeah. Um, they actually, she was going to be killed, too. Uh, when they kind of rescued her, not that she necessarily needed it. It's it's strange how it's okay to rescue her character, even though she's a formidable character, didn't necessarily need it. They were going to kill her. Huh. Shane Black is crafty. He's clever. Well, I love the fact that he constantly flips this over and over where it's... They're That's the hunt- what I'm saying. Well, they're the hunters, but then they're the prey over and over. So at some point, they're the predators. They're hunting 
and then you know things get flipped and they have to go on the run again yeah yeah it's rather interesting so what it turns out to be is this uh predator that she's chasing is like give me my back my gear they get it back from the the kid it's actually like a um a motherboard or a or a very important component to a computer that he needs, which would help us fight against predators who want to use our global warming situation for their benefit. They want to just kill humans all off and then hang out on this planet because our planet is going to be in the future suitable for them because they're like lizard people sort of. And there's this one predator that's like, no way, Dan. Uh uh-uh no i'm gonna help the humans and we don't know this for a longest time and then like halfway through or a little bit more than halfway through he gets taken out by this giant predator now what do you think about the giant predator is he a mutation or is he a yes remember the kid puts on the helmet and he's going through like uh program like like um files in the helmet and he's watching this one file and it shows a predator laying on a slab and him being injected with something. Okay, okay. I know I missed Growing. That, no, you blinked. You blinked is what you did. I looked at my phone because I have ADD. <laughs> it's, maybe that's... Uh, um, it wasn't a very long scene. But it was there. And it, that was just like a hint. Like, when it comes up, we don't know. It's not anywhere near Predator Actions, the kid on Halloween. Which this is a Halloween movie. Yep. Is that the new I, thing they're going to set with, uh, <laughs> like, um, when it's um, Shane Black all by himself, it's always a Christmas setting. But I wonder if yeah, that's the thing they're trying to set. But if they're, Black and Decker, oh my god, I never even thought of that. I know. I only thought of that yesterday when I was watching this movie. And then I made a tweet about it, and I said, it's not their fault what happened to this movie. It is the oh studio meddling. Okay, so Fred but, Decker Fred Decker was on Facebook for a while. Yeah. And, you know, it was when the movie was coming out. He was doing a lot of podcasts, and he was talking to everybody on Facebook. And, man, when this movie came out, they hurt him so bad that he just eliminated his account. He disappeared. And it's a shame. I really like Fred Decker, and what they did to him was just awful because it's not his fault the movie ended up so choppy. And it, upon rewatching, it's not really choppy by the end. All the reshoot stuff at, at night, even including, I think, the death of um, Keegan and... and um, Thomas Jane, I think that was during a reshoot. That was like really heartfelt. That yeah. Was, well, here's that was the thing poetic, is, is what I said. It it's was so very strange. It, there's a couple moments in this where the music shifts around. Like, literally, they just excise a scene and never bothered to fix the soundtrack. That's the only thing I really noticed. Um, but the more I watched it, I was like, okay, wait. I, for some reason, the first time I saw this, I thought they cut this out. It almost felt like I was watching a newer, updated version of it. But I, I know it was just my attention span. But, um,. Yeah, I really didn't have any horrible problems with this, but I guess they just reshot a whole ending because the special effects didn't work out or something like that. They had like daylight. I don't know. How is it possible to have that? that There were two predators that were on the unit side, and there's a behind the scenes shot of two predators on a tank. uh, 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 Not not an actual tank with a gun on it, but uh, a cannon on it, but an armored personnel carrier. And our heroes are all in that, and two predators, and the predators are like waving at the camera because it's behind the scenes stuff. And I'm like, what is that scene? And that's during the daytime. 
Yeah, so I really don't know. Have this is something about like a spider predator or something like that? I've what? Heard, yeah, I heard. I can't remember where I read it, but I let, read that that was part of the scene. Is there was a spider predator and the special effects looked terrible, so they couldn't pull it off. Um, mm. and, and they said that you know there's got to be a director's cut of this because they never finished the special effects and it was going to cost another ten million. And since it was a bomb in the first place, and they don't have a place to put movies like this. Like, okay, so Justice League has... Oh, they uh, absolutely have a place to put No, they don't. Like it's this. Disney Plus, and they're not going to put this on oh, there. Oh, right. Well, yeah, okay. Well, why does Disney even Disney want on, Fox? That's the thing I don't understand. Right. They bought so many hold R-rated on. franchises, and why? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, Disney I'm... Plus, when it first came out, it had Adventures in Babysitting presented on there, and it says, coming April 2020. April 2020 shows up, and it's not there. I believe it's Peacock that has it right now, Adventures in Babysitting. So what they're doing is they're just licensing stuff out that doesn't fit on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, but they're not going to finish the Predator director's cut because it's not beneficial to them unless... I don't know. I just I feel like this movie might gain a following over the years because it got some it really should. bad press. Yeah, it's, it's way better than... Very fun. Yeah. It's very cool, and the least cool parts of it are the Mega Predator being CG. To me, that was a little bit of a bummer. Did you want, like, forced perspective? Yes. Okay. That's that's all I wanted. Um, It just seemed uh, a little bit cheap to do it CG. And maybe it's true. Maybe uh, forced perspective stuff might have been too difficult to do at such a a clip, you know? Mm -hmm. But... But the CG stuff, um, the design of him, he's got a really strange proportion. kind of has big hips. It's just weird to me. Well, you got a problem with big hips? Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> big hips, really tiny waist. Is he wearing a corset? Well, did she time? say something about he had an exoskeleton underneath his skin? Yes, she did say that. That is weird. How do you even do yeah. that? I... I I don't know. Like That's Logan? why he's not running around in armor. <laughs> Do they have adamantium? Like, <laughs> all he's wearing is like his his metal bikini, you know, running around doing that. Um, so so it was cool when I saw in the theater that he like destroyed our main predator. We're like, what? What did he do? What now? Oh my god! Right? I thought there was going to be some cool team up. Yeah, it's, buddy, it's, buddy, team up. It is, it is pretty cool how the movie constantly keeps shifting around too. There's homages a little bit here and there. Uh, you oh know, wait, like the, what are you talking about homage? What you, well, what you it feels like it reflects to? back on some of the other movies a little bit with certain sequences. Like you think something's going to happen, but it doesn't. It keeps flipping around. Whatever you expect to happen, it flips it around. And uh, you know, like the, the, you think they're going to set up a whole trap thing in the woods, which is like the first movie. Plus the fact it was set in the woods, and, and you know that's parallel to the jungle. And they don't really set up any traps, not really, and they just kind of just get ready, and they're like, oh, well, they're just going to prepare and, and then drag him into the fight with the rest of the group. That's it. The kill box. That's all they were doing. Yeah. Kill but, box. you know, like, you're expecting, like, oh, they're going to get, like, trees, and they're going to get rope and stuff like that, and it's just, I'm glad it didn't do that. And Yeah. The Ewok, Ewok uh, booby traps. Yeah, and then uh, getting onto the ship, you know, like, oh, they're going to go to the Predator planet or something like that. You know, every time you keep, you keep expecting something like that, and then it just destroys the ship. Uh, through a, a, a sacrifice, and uh, I don't know, it just kept surprising me, and it moves so fast. Yeah, it moves really fast, but the the humor throughout is great, and 
Again, the controversy about the loons is that a lot of people were saying that it was treating them badly. And what I know about people who have been through trauma, um, some of them right now are following what some online rhetoric is saying of like, don't talk about it, don't talk about it at all. But others still are like, don't treat me like a baby about this stuff. I'm cool. I can also have a sense of humor. Yeah. And that's how this movie takes its its uh, approach to those characters. Um, and I do like when she's like, my husband did this and that, and this is the type of man that he is. And the little dude walks up and goes, um, your speech didn't inspire me or anything, but I was just called a pussy. So <laughs> <laughs> I have to go with him. <laughs> it's like such a funny scene because he's been, he's so sincere. <laughs> he's gentle and nice about breaking it to her that her speech about her husband wasn't that moving. <laughs> I thought it was funny though. I'll have an honest show. She's like, he was a terrible husband, but he's a hell of a soldier. <laughs> right. Same scene. Yeah. Uh, no, it's really good. And I was laughing a lot throughout the movie. And this is kind of, I said this to, I said this when I was watching this thing. The Alien movies, except for one of them, which is Alien Resurrection, my, happens to be my favorite one. Alien movies are for when you want serious, serious, serious sci-fi. Like really serious, consistent, ser- consistently serious sci-fi, except for that one weird thing. But this, the whole series is serious. But when I just want to have fun with similar like sci-fi, I guess, rated R sci-fi. Yeah. The Predator movies are that. They're all in some kind of way fun. Did you know this? That uh, Thomas Jane's character is named Baxley, named after the stunt coordinator from the first Predator, Craig R. Baxley, who also drove, uh, who directed uh, Action Jackson. No, I didn't. Also, the reason his character has Tourette's symptoms is because Shane Black has Tourette's. I did not know that. Wow. Hmm. Also, here's a little bit more trivia about yeah. the very first movie and the last movie, this final movie. There is a little scene where our little boy is walking through Halloween uh, trick-or-treating, and he's wearing the gear. He's actually wearing yeah, the Predator helmet adorable. and the arm. <laughs> right? It's his big head. <laughs> right? He's this cute kid. Uh-huh. That kid, by the way, is, is a powerhouse actor. Holy he's crap. Awesome. Yeah, I, didn't, I knew I knew him from somewhere, but... Uh, he had worked with Thomas Jane prior to this in Before I Wake, which is fantastic. Hmm. I'm not. I'm not too big on uh, Flanagan movies, and that's the only one that I've missed. Uh, but uh, he he's walking through, and passing in front of him is a red alien with white eyes. Now the white eyes are for this movie, but it's a little kid dressed up as the Van Damme suit oh my gosh i never movie. even caught that that's hilarious go look at my twitter feed go look at my twitter feed i posted the Jemetsko. it's at Jemetsko. that's my twitter feed okay so yeah, yeah that's a little that's a little nod to the very first one so there is an homage directly there with this one and there's a second homage with um the casting of jake Busey. the rest i don't know if there are full-on homages or hint or nods. What do you think about the Sterling K. Brown's Holy character? Holy crap, he's a hell of a villain. He's a worse villain than the actual Predator. <laughs> the Super Predator. 
like the guy got his hand. He's like, you got to catch it. You got to catch it. Catch the glaive on your arm. Like, right. And then he cuts his fingers off. And he's like, ah, then he just killed him. He just shoots him in the head. Yeah. He's like, you got to be quiet. Okay, so there is an editing thing where I got a little lost. They're, when they're in the woods, and it's right, I think it's right after Thomas Jane and Keegan Michael Key uh, shoot each other, uh, there's a sound, and Sterling K. Hare, uh, what was his name? Brown. Uh, Sterling K. Brown turns around, and there's a blast, and someone's head explodes. And all of a sudden, it's his. How did that happen, though? Oh, oh what, it, what had happened was, uh, and it's not an editing, it, the only thing is, is the quick succession of edits. I watched it, and I followed this time, because the first time I was like, he killed himself, but how, why? Uh, she called him, <laughs> and she's holding a gun, uh, uh, Olivia Munn. She's holding her gun, and she calls that guy, and established before the little kid says, when you're in danger, it just shoots. Oh. That's how the kid, like, the kid gets hit in the head, back of the head with a bottle or a can. By the Halloween guy, right, by, okay. by this by this heavy metal Halloween punk, and the his shoulder mount turns around and kills that guy and blows up the house, <laughs> which is a bit of an overkill for a weapon, but okay. Um, <laughs> so that's how the kid learns that this shoulder mount responds to danger. So she she calls that guy. He turns his head, and the thing turns at the same time and just shoots. Oh, it blew his own head off. Oh, my God. It, okay. yeah. See, I kept trying to figure that out. I was like, did the Predator shoot him? Who shot him? <laughs> yeah, predator gear shot him. Yeah. <laughs> the AI in the Predator gear. I remember, this is a side note, but I remember someone being so pissed they walked out of this movie because they said, get to the choppers. You know, that's oh, a, an homage fine. to the first movie. And I'm like, what's wrong with that? It's not like that. Oh. Some people are so like, not, tightly it's wound. It's really not like they said, get to the choppers. Yeah, they just say, get to the choppers, and there's a bunch of motorcycles, so there you go. <laughs> I don't even remember that scene, thank God. That would have made me eye roll. So there's another homage. Okay. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I do, you know, do you know who the star was supposed to be? Who, the star? The original star signed on to this was Benicio Del Toro. Oh, that would have been cool. I guess. I don't know. That's kind of weird. But I really enjoy yeah, well, Boyd Holbrook. I, I think he's a fun character. Uh, he hasn't yeah. been in a lot. but um, No, and I, I wish that he was related to Hal Holbrook, and he's not. <laughs> Darn it. I was hoping for some prestige coming in, but he's his own prestige. He's cool. Yeah. Boyd, Boyd Holbrook is pretty cool. Um, yeah. I love this movie. Yeah, it's so much fun. I, I love it way really more great. the second time. I want to know what that initial ending was, and I swear that thing in that sarcophagus was going to be an alien. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Did you really think it was going to be Dutch? Yeah, I really thought that they were going to bring him out, and like he had been captive or something, or kept safe on that ship. Like The, the alien who uh, was on our side had like uh, captured him from his planet or something, I don't know, and brought him back to Earth. I don't know, I just... I heard I heard another rumor that it was going to be Newt, like she was an adult now. She was coming down. Newt from yes. Aliens? Yes, I know. I know. No, no, that your your Dutch theory holds more water than that. Yeah, well, I looked it up online last night, and so there's going to be a lot of lies there. But that was something that they were toying around with. But I, I don't so, think so I don't we think the suit sticks the landing. Be, I don't think that ending really sticks. That's exactly my point. We were thinking that it was going to be this sort of. Maybe a, a hybrid xenomorph or something. Not like they did with the 
uh, Requiem, uh, Alien vs. Predator Requiem, but some sort of xenomorph. Because look at the sarcophagus that it's in. It's kind of already shaped like a xenomorph head. Yeah, it's like they got nervous and changed it the last... This seems like a reshoot. It is the reshoot. That, okay. That's part of the... Well, how the does it originally year. end? I This is the thing. I thought you knew everything! <laughs> I'm dancing around because I want to know it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to know. So I really want that extra footage. We're going to get in 50 years <laughs> when we're dead. Yeah. I put my teeth in. I'm going to go to the world premiere of the Predator Director's Cut. Everybody involved is dead, except for that little kid. Yeah, the little kid is going to be behind it all. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't. We still didn't have a special effects budget to complete it, but here's all the completed footage, so it's a bunch of uh, <laughs> it was tennis finished, balls. It was finished with action, it's a bunch of action figures. Balls on sticks. <laughs> No, it'll be it'll be me and Marvin reenacting the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I I I want to know what that real ending was. Their true, even on paper, I want to know. Yeah, darn it. Poor Fred Decker. After all these years, got to do a studio film, and everybody crapped on him like it was his fault. It's lame. Yeah, I don't like Monster Squad. I like uh, things that go into Monster Squad, but I don't like it. But I like um, some of his. Robocop, which is the first thing that ran him off. Um, Robocop 3. There are certain things about it that I yeah, really do I don't, like. I don't hate it. I actually like it more than Part 2. I know, Blasphemy, but no, 2 makes no. me feel bad. Part 2 is a really bad mood movie. Yes. It, it's really cynical. Very, very cynical. Um, but um, I really like House 2, which he wrote the story for. So He didn't write the script, but he wrote the story. Wait, House 1 or House 2? Both. House as well? House also? Or are you saying House 2, the second story? To the second story, I do believe. I didn't, but I didn't I think realize he was involved first... in the sequel, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's He's got story credit. Okay. Which could it just be, actually, by the Of course, you like Night name. of the Creeps, yeah. Oh, I love Night of the Creeps. That's the one I was You know, forgetting. it's so ironic that the year that he directed Robocop 3, which is supposed to bring the series out of nihilism, is when he directed, I think, a really, or he wrote a really nihilistic movie called Ricochet, which makes me feel bad. Oh, he did long. that? Yes. Whoa. Yeah. That's so wow, unlike Ricochet him. Ricochet is a mean movie. Yes. It's so cruel to the main character. It is. Yuck. Wow. I can't believe I had that poster on my door for like a year. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> well, put it this way: we pretty much like Fred Decker. Um, nobody's nobody's perfect, right? Right. So, sa- same. Same with uh, same with our our guy, the director Shane Black. Black and Decker, I think, is a good team. Yeah. And yes, I like saying that over and over again. I think Shane Black is way better realize. now than he was when he was red hot. I think as he's gotten older, his heart has come out. Yeah. 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 Uh, again, that's a lot of. There's a lot of cynical moves in those early movies that he's made, that he wrote. Um, the attitudes, I mean. Yeah. So and and he's as you get older, you get a little softer, and that's not a bad thing. Oh wow, we this is a lot longer than I expected, but we really dug this film. So yeah, this is yeah. an add-on. So if you made it to the end of this episode, yay! Yay! Sweet. I on. like it. You mm-hmm. like it. Yes, we do. Good night, everybody. Night. <laughs>